Awesome possum. Welcome everybody to uh, Storytelling Podcast Week. Uh, welcome to our February Roundtable Love Stories Live, hosted by Motsi Doppel of the High Nye Podcast, with our special guests Octavia Bray of Life with Leo, Leah Tao from Strangers, Jen Prokop of Faded Mates, and Caitlin Prest of Mermaid Palace and The Heart. For those of you who may be joining us for the first time, Storytelling Podcast Week has live stream sessions much like this one with top podcasters and storytellers from scripted fiction to nonfiction podcasters from across the world and our imaginations. We also have exclusive recorded episodes on the Storytelling Podcast Week podcast. And Storytelling, Podca Storytelling Podcast Week is brought to you by Podbean. Uh, we're a podcast hosting and monetization platform, and we currently host over 600,000 podcasts. So if you want to start your podcast journey today, head on over to podbean.com. And so with that, I'll go ahead and hand that off to our fantastic host, Motsi Doppel of the High Night Podcast. Thank you so much, Ronnie. And thank you to everybody who's here. I hope you've had a lovely um, February so far. <laughs> and um, yeah, it, it's it's wonderful to see everybody here because see everybody because if you're just listening to this as a podcast, we are finally doing some video stuff. So yeah, it's um, how's everybody doing? Right. Excellent. It's thunderstorming here. I live in Chicago and it could be snowing. So I'm going to be grateful for the rain. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's dark. So sorry, it's very dark you. over here in Toronto, but you know. Still oh, I'm in Toronto too. Oh, yay, Torontonians. Yay. <laughs> we all enjoy the uh, fog and the darkness today. Yeah. And it's a beautiful, beautiful day. <laughs> the sun is shining here in Los Angeles. You can see your sunlight. Yay, I'm in the way too. You don't have to rub it in. I'm in LA too, so we've got two in Toronto and two in LA. Yeah, oh my gosh. And Jen, you're special. That's okay. <laughs> I will, you know what? Great Lakes represent. It's fine. That's Here's right. a funny story. In my family, we we actually love Toronto, but we often call it clean Chicago because it's just like so much nicer than Chicago. So I feel like I'm there in spirit. I'm from Illinois, so I relate to you spiritually. <laughs> that is very funny because everybody else in Canada um, would would not call it clean <laughs> in Toronto. Okay. But I think in comparison to like other cities, it is Ottawa pretty or, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So yeah, um, we'll start with like our initial question just to get the ball rolling. And some, some of the stuff we're going to be doing today, we will also have some readings from some of you. So that's really exciting. And yeah, so I will start with the first question, which is because you are all podcasters of, ver of, of different um, titles, all dealing with love in some way. You each showcase love in very different forms. And can you tell us about the forms of love that, uh, that you have taken with your shows, like the different forms of love that you have in there. And, you know, anyone who wants to uh, chime in, please please feel free and we'll go around the table in this round table. Who's like going first? Ooh, anybody who's brave. I can go, I've got no problem with Take it. it. Let's this will be it. great because that'll free me from going first for other questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like in my podcast, so, Life with Leo is about um, briefly, you know, an emotionally repressed lawyer and the illegal android that is in love with her. And, <laughs> and um, you know, that's sort of like the, the main romantic relationship. But the other characters that round up the show include the protagonist's sister and that sister's fiance and some co-workers. And I think that there's 
there are quite a few different versions of love that are presented within the show and that get explored within the show because that protagonist, Janine, is just not a very emotionally expressive person at the beginning of the show. And so the love relation, the romantic love relationship with Leo, the android, pulls her out in like one particular way. But I think that just as significant a relationship as the one that she has with her sister. Um, and you really kind of get to see that sisterly love relationship get drawn out, not just in their interactions with each other, but in the ways that like, they talk about each other when they're not there. And, you know, I think especially Ellie, the way that Ellie kind of like supports Janine when she's um, not in the room, you know, talks about how like my sister deserves someone. Like I, I feel this way about her, even if they're not, you know, saying these nice things directly to each other's faces. And so I think that even in the process of like writing the show, I like, I like to say that I'm like a little bit of a hack. Like I'm just like pulling things from my own life, you know, like I'm exploring my own relationships and fictionalizing them like lightly, you know? And I think that like my relationship with my sister is very much a part of the Ellie and Janine sister relationship that exists within Life with Leo. And it gave me like a deeper appreciation for the love like that I have with my sister. Um, I recently had like a whole health thing and my sister lives in Seattle and she flew down to help me. And that shouldn't have been like a surprise or anything, but I was so grateful. And she was just like, why do you only say stupid things to me? Like, of course I would come here and like help you during this time. And that's very much like the Ellie and Janine vibe as well. Um, and so I think that having a few different, you know, like we have sibling love, we have, you know, romantic love um, and just sort of like a general like fraternal bond that forms between other characters in the show enhances the, the sort of main thing of the podcast, which is like, are these two going to kiss? You know, like, because you have all these <laughs> other relationships that are the tough questions right there, you know? Yeah, exactly. No, that's awesome. And yeah, like as somebody who has two sisters and three brothers, ah, sibling relationships are, yeah, they're close to my heart. But yeah, I, I, uh, I, weirdly enough, even though I am pretty ingrained now in podcasting, I don't listen to that many podcasts like in my life. Uh, it usually is accidental, but I have started on Life with Leo, like from the last time we talked, Davey, and I definitely like enjoy And the... I've listened to High Nights. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's very much like a really lovely, it, it is like um, the main character, she is very, you know, she's a lawyer and so she tries not to be too emo like too emotionally like um open but i think it's very fun to have a character like that like express love not just in a romantic way but also just familial way um how about everybody else like do you want to like talk about the loves in your um stories i could go I, that's so funny talking about sister love i'm actually right now as we speak working on like kind of i've been calling it <clears throat> like a rom-com but with sisters instead you know, like, because <laughs> I, in the pandemic, um, when everything, when everyone had to work from home, I, I, um, my sister lost her job and I, we just so happened to need a social media person. And so I hired her. And so we've been 
we've been working together for the last year, like in isolation every single day, you know, <laughs> and, <laughs> and recording everything, of course. And, um, and so we're like, okay, we have to make something about sisters. So just so, yeah, synergy, magic. Um, but yeah, so I, I make, I've, I guess The Heart was my first big show and I guess it's still my, my, my main big show. Um, and then I've done a few other podcasts, like fiction ones. You were reminding me, Octavia, of some of the themes that I've gone into in fiction and like that thing of using, I, I created a whole fiction show so that I could tell a story that, that the people who are actually involved would never, ever let me tell in documentary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, that was called The Shadows. And then I started a, a company called Mermaid Palace where um, basically, I kind of wanted to start a, um, an org where uh, the people who were kind of collaborating with me to make the heart could kind of like branch off and make their own show universes. And so, um, but it, really, there's a thread throughout and it's all it's all really at the end of the day about like love and intimacy. So um, yeah, like there was one called Asking For It that was all about like intimate partner violence um, and then uh, and then appearances, which was kind of about family, um, a, a, like second uh, first generation Iranian woman and her relationship with her family, essentially. Um, but yeah, so to answer, to answer the question um, for me uh, on my it's in my work, I guess I've, I've used love. Uh, love stories as a, a way of getting into bigger social issues, um, like using the idea of love, which is the thing that connects us all, um, to to kind of take a magnifying glass uh, on and and look look at like I mean I just believe that like the bigger problems that we deal with in the world um, can be magnified through looking at romantic relationships and intimate relationships, and so. I mean, the big thing, like, I mean, the, with the heart, like, I mean, the big thing that we were celebrated for is like being really queer, basically, like kind of, you know, like um, basically like taking that 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 traditional format of the love story and inserting um, diverse characters like and I guess we we you know, it's like that thing where you're thinking about um, the subject, like who is the subject and who is the object. And it's really interesting with love stories because whoever is, somebody said recently, perspective always wins. And I guess, um, which I think is so interesting. And so like whoever is the protagonist, like whoever their love interest is, is becomes the object in this weird way. But anyway, so we've been kind of like, we started out in 2008 and we, yeah, I mean, essentially it was just like, we were like, at that time, I mean, um, people were still in the closet at work. Like, it, I mean, so much has changed. Oh my God. But like, you know, so it was kind of revolutionary. It was like a big deal that we were like telling love stories, but instead of a male and a female character, um, to cis, you know, heterosexual couple land, um, we, it would just, it, we would, we wouldn't even explain it. That was our big thing that we got, you know, you know, we weren't like, Hey, today we're going to be talking to gay people. <laughs> You know, we were just we would just put um, we would just put queer people uh, as protagonists in the in the in the stories um, without without making a big thing of it, um, and uh, and yeah, that's kind of you know that was their big thing, um, and 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 we we were just kind of like ah, feminism. I mean, we've just been really like focused on diversity of all different kinds and like kind of. Um, having like, you know, yeah, just having people who are not, who weren't, I mean, things are changing slowly, but um, who weren't 
really who didn't have the power it, it was really about like people taking power over their own narratives by writing them and voicing them themselves and instead of like kind of unhinging that those documentary standards of like um you know basically most of the time it was like white straight men going around with a microphone and telling other people's stories for them um and and so that's the really all that's the whole thing and so yeah that was the, the heart that was the heart and then the shadows was about you know like we got into all sorts of st like polyamory versus monogamy is cheating wrong um you know yeah intimate partner violence and queer relationships consent blah blah all the stuff but so that's that's me yeah <laughs> so i'm gonna just jump off of that because I um, co-host a romance novel podcast called Faded Mates. It's a little different than what you all do because we are, um, our job is essentially to like discuss and share and mm -hmm. like sort of unpack the romance genre using uh -huh. like books. I mean, my co-host co Sarah McLean is a romance novelist. So sometimes, you know, but we're not here to just promote her books. So, but we talk about all of those same things, but in the romance genre. So um we have sometimes we do like a deep dive on a certain book but often we do like interstitial episodes that just like essentially are like a trope like right so um little spoiler alert tomorrow's episode is on fake dating which is like a really hot trope in romance <laughs> right now and um so you know like and then we'll just sort of talk and you know at the end of the episode you'll have like 25 different books you can listen you know read if you would like to so um I would say the thing that's been really primary for us, I mean, obviously romance is a genre about emotion and human relationships. Um, but one of the biggest, as like a horror, like a, I think a lot of people misunderstand genre, right? And so we are sort of always like sort of fighting the fight to help people understand what the romance genre is, which is that it ends in a happily ever after. And, um, you know, like Romeo and Juliet is not a romance, neither is Me Before You or The Fault in Our Stars. Like these are love stories, but not romance. Tragedies, yeah. Right. And I think the thing that's been really interesting is, you know, you'll like a really common sort of thing that will happen to a romance reader is someone will be like, but isn't that boring? And we'll say, and I often say like, well, you know, there's been roughly 800 million episodes of Law and Order. Right. And every episode of Law and Order follows a format mm -hmm. and you all love it because, you know, like there's endless, endless possibilities within that format. So I think what our if you you know what, what our podcast does is talk about, like, what is the genre doing and why is love so important to everybody in all human relationships? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm, I really love that you're doing that because um, romance is like one of the most misunderstood genres. It's also one of the most gendered genres. Like there is a yeah. some kind of like bias against like cert like uh, especially for right. for male listeners or male readers like mm -hmm. to just like kind of an anti expectation like yeah. for for enjoying that kind of genre. But as with any genre, like it has its format, but that doesn't okay. like make it boring or lesser. It's like everyone has it, like horror has a format, action has a format, um, right. mystery has a format. It's all formatted, but within that space, you can explore so much like interesting stuff. And yeah, I definitely like appreciate like Faded Mates and like that kind of work that you do. Um, even though I do a horror podcast, I also did, um, I was part of a, a romance um, anthology and yeah. um, and I also like went to like a romance uh I have I have a friend who runs um, 
what do you call it? Like um, classes for romance, like literally called yeah. romance class, like classes for romance writing. So it's a really like interesting genre where a lot of things can grow. And yeah, um, and Leah, would you like to like tell us about like Strangers a little bit or like any other stuff that you're working on and how love um, is portrayed in those? Sure, yeah. So Strangers is not uh, first and foremost a love show, right? It's a storytelling show where people tell true stories from their lives. I have featured many love stories. Currently, there's only like a small portion of the archive available publicly um, and no really new work. So if you go check it out and you're like, wait, why is there nothing here? It's because I, I've basically been on hiatus with the show, but I've been developing new work over on Patreon and I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. But I think in terms of love stories, so I've featured many love stories throughout the years of these people, you know, of, of where I featured other people's stories and, and some of them have been epic love stories, uh, but it's not a love show per se. But I think what I'm probably best known for kind of historically in terms of love stories is that at one point on my show, which wasn't normally really about me, but I of course was like a presence as a host. But at one point I decided to do an investigation into my own love life. And the backstory there is that my, um, fiance had basically broken up with me and moved out when I was like eight months pregnant. And, um, you know, I had also been like fired from my job of 10 years. And I like left New York just like with, you know, just in a plume of like smoke and shame, you know, and, and came to um, LA and was like really lonely and didn't know anybody and started online. And I was like 40, you know, or just around 40 and had a tiny baby and I'd like never been single and it basically never dated. And suddenly for the first time in my life at the age of 40 with a tiny baby in a new town, I was trying to date and put my life back together. And so I went on online dating, of course, and I went on a ton of dates as everybody does and like nothing worked for several years. And I ended up doing a series on the show called Love Hurts where I went and interviewed the guys from online dating who had turned me down and asked them why. Um, and so that became like, that became really popular and was probably the biggest thing I'd ever done and kind of catapulted my show to another level. And so I think that's why I'm known for telling love stories. And uh, these days I'm doing, trying to do something much harder, which, uh, which is to tell happy love stories. Uh, but I'll maybe tell you more about that when I, when I do my reading a little bit later. No, that's awesome to hear from everybody. And I, I do want to say, like, it is wonderful to hear that after all that, you had a wonderful Valentine's. Um, we were talking about it. We were chatting about it earlier. Um, so it is like, it is one of those, like, um, things where you, it's, that's the happy ending. It was not an ending, but, you know, it's like, uh, that's kind of like where romance goes in the fiction. And it's where you, we kind of um, hope it would go in real life. So that's kind of amazing. And yeah, um, so I want to like kind of jump ahead a, just a little bit because uh, I want us to have like this free form chat about even if we follow the um, questions, we still get to talk about the things that were that are pertinent in the moment. So would this work for everybody? We would do Octavia's reading and then Leah's reading and then we go on to the rest of the questions so that we don't run out of time. We don't, you know, try to hurry everybody along and we can all chat more freely right after. Would that be fine with everybody? Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. So we will start with Octavia's reading. And then right after we comment a little bit, we will, we will chat a little bit and then we will go into Leah's reading and then go from there. And then we will like chat more about all the other wonderful topics right after. So yeah, uh, go ahead, Octavia. Uh, Tavi. <laughs> so I, Life with Leo is a scripted full cast show. I will be reading from it but I will not be able to do justice to all of the parts. I just want you all to know that up front. Um, 
so I picked a the just the sort of opening from episode nine. Um, show's been out for a while, so hopefully no one will feel spoiled. But <laughs> but um, I'll dive right in, so I don't take up any more time. The water in the bathroom shuts off as Janine climbs out of the shower and wipes condensation off the mirror. She clears her throat and <clears throat> addresses herself. Hello, gorgeous. No, no, I mean it. How can your skin still look this good after all these years? You're glowing, baby. You are, how you say, stunning. So what if you were still single at your age? Could it be my personality? <laughs> no, no, of course not. You are diligent and charming, hilarious and humble. Nothing is wrong with you. Something is wrong with everyone else. All right. Yeah, I thought so. Okay, towel time. And Janine wraps herself in her towel and opens the bathroom door where she collides headfirst with Leo and shrieks and nearly topples over. Ah! And Leo grabs Janine by her shoulders. You didn't even try to break your fall. Do you have no sense of self-preservation? Of course I do. I was preserving my dignity. You caught me. I caught my towel. You're... Oh. And Leo realizes exactly what he has his hands on. We live together, Janine. This is hardly the first time I've seen you in a towel. Maybe, but never this close. Never with all this shower steam. Never with your hands on me. The temperature in this hallway is reaching previously undocumented levels. What I'm saying is let go of me. Right, yes, of course. Janine scrambles away down the hall to her room and slams the door behind her. She leans back against it, breathing like she's had a narrow escape. What the hell is wrong with me? Stop beating so fast or I will attack you before you ever get enough red meat to attack me. So you finally snapped. Janine screams because she did not notice that Ellie was in the room with her. Leo picks that moment to call through the door. Ellie's here. Yeah, I've noticed. Janine glares at her younger sister who is shoulder deep into Janine's closet. What are you doing? You know, forget it. I don't even know why I ask. Just once, you could lead with hello. <laughs> Hell no. Why are you in my room? I was looking for shea butter for my raggedy elbows, but then I saw your closet and I thought I might do a little shopping. Out and leave the jumpsuit. Come on, Jeannie, have a heart. Ooh, and speaking of hearts, what was that uh, talking to you you were giving yourself? Nothing. Leo just startled me, that's all. And he made your heart race because he scared me. Look, can you just leave so I can change? Ellie starts to sneak away with that jumpsuit in hand. Leave the jumpsuit. I want to wear it today. You're a monster. Love you too. We pick back up in the kitchen as Janine enters to see Ellie working away on her laptop. Oh, today's a code day. Yep, we're getting really close. I can feel it. I also feel an emptiness in my stomach. Omelets are on their way, Leo says. And he crosses around the counter as Janine heads for the coffee pot, and the two of them collide yet again. Oh, sorry. No, no, you were here first. Oh, I'm just, I'm just gonna, let me get you a mug. Pardon my reach. Leo reaches over Janine's head to grab a mug from the shelf behind her. Busy day. Still a lot of work to do on the Lane Robotics factory droid case. Don't work too hard. Even brilliant lawyers need to take a break now and then. I'm not brilliant. 
You are. You know you are. Stop. You stop. Here's your mug. Janine takes the mug and Ellie watches them with growing suspicion. What's going on with you? Nothing. I need coffee. I'm getting coffee. And Leo says, if she doesn't get coffee, <laughs> watch out. I've been going into sleep mode to avoid her wrath. <laughs> no, you have not. I haven't, but I might. Don't you dare. And Janine and Leo continue laughing together in that sickening way that early stage couples have. Ellie cuts in. Janine, I need to talk to you in the living room, away from here. But my coffee. I'll make it for you, Leo says. Thanks, Leo. You know how I like it. I bet he does. Hot and sweet. You got it. Janine, living room, now. Ellie grabs Janine by the arm and yanks her into the living room. Ow, when did you get so strong? When you started keeping secrets from me. You and Leo, when did that happen? It isn't happening. Not until the compelling code is gone. This is old news, Ellie. Well, there are some updates coming hot off the presses. Keyword, hot. I let the naked hallway collision slide. It wasn't naked. But what I witnessed in that kitchen was so sickening, it probably violated a dozen health codes. Translation, translate yourself. Why was your heart racing when you bumped into Leo in the hallway? Because he scared me. Why did you blush when he called you brilliant? Something you do already know to be true. I, was I really blushing? We're black, Jeannie. It's hard to know for sure, but you gave off a blushing vibe. I mean, and then Leo made a joke and you two laughed like hyenas for way longer than it deserved. The silent H in his name doesn't stand for hilarious. You're right. I was giggling. And Ellie delivers her finishing blow. And then, as we left the kitchen, Leo volunteered to make your coffee. You said he knows how you like it. And he said, hot and sweet. Oh my gosh, we were flirting. That's right. Little Miss, not until we find the code, was flirting. And that's not all. No, 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 no. Say it, Janine. You gotta let it out. I like Leo. What was that? Speak up. I can't speak up. He might hear me. Oh my gosh, this is horrible. Yeah, you like someone who likes you back. In high school, Janine is going to reach forward in time to strangle you. What do I do? I would say, enjoy it, girl, but I know you won't listen to me. You're right. I need to get out of here. Work, my happy place. Everything about this conversation is so sad. Let me just grab my coffee. Nope. Nope, I'll drink the gross work coffee. What do you want me to tell Leo? I don't know, tell him I died. Jeannie. And the door slams behind Janine as she makes her escape. Coward. That's the end. <laughs> Went on a face journey with that one. <laughs> Very happy. Um, yeah, and oh no, you spoiled me. I'm only on episode nine. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. No, but that was awesome. Um, any, does anyone have any comments before we move on to the next re reading? What do you guys, what do y'all think? That was awesome and very enticing. I want to hear the rest of it now. <laughs> I recommend yeah, a very classic rom-com setup. I like it right uh -huh. before. <laughs> Thank mm -hmm. you. This is actually a trope. Like the whole theme of the episode is tropes. So they just keep coming one after the other throughout oh, the episode. That's awesome. <laughs>
Yeah. And yeah, like Life with Leo, it's um I definitely enjoy like just how it's it's a sci-fi it's a sci-fi romance, but it's all just very, you know, it's an office comedy sci-fi romance. Yes. And it, it works out really mess, well. But I love it. <laughs> <laughs> definitely enjoy it. But yeah, um uh if anyone has any other comments before we move on to our next reading. No? Leo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely, I definitely recommend Life with Leo. It's very fun, and um, even though it takes me like a little bit, little bit of time to listen to it, it's um, a good bedtime story podcast. That's so true. <laughs> yeah, and okay, now we will listen to the next reading from Leah. Um, uh, you can introduce like what what it's about, and yeah, just go into it. Okay, yeah, so um, a little bit of backstory. So I told you about the kind of collapse of my life in New York. I came out here, I, you know, was like, okay, I just got to make a, a, have a new show because I, I run The Moth before and created The Moth podcast and The Moth Radio Hour with other people there. And anyway, but had then been fired from that and was like, came out here and I was like, I'm going to start a new show. I'm going to get a new man and then everything is going to be great. You know, I'm going to show them. And so like, I just started pushing like a new boulder up a hill. You know what I mean? I was just like, got to put the postcard back together. And then... Uh, and like had some hard dating years and then but then like the week the love hurt series that I mentioned earlier started airing I actually met the man that I'm now with Paul uh, which and um, so anyway and then but then like four years ago I just slammed into such a hard burnout wall from like having you know 10 years in New York of like building something and creating and then like doing it over here just like ah, and everything was coming from that place and they were just, and I just like slammed into such a hard wall and had a kind of breakdown, I guess you could call it, and just like disappeared from the show. And then recently I've been waking work, like telling the story of why I disappeared and coming back and why I had to go away and what I had to learn in the meantime. And so each, so it's kind of serial and every chapter is connected, but uh, also can kind of stand alone. And the particular chapter I'm gonna be reading from is called Camping, A Love Story. And the love in the title is not for camping per se, it's for my man, Paul. Um, but it basically tells like the story, like our love story through these little different camping moments over the years. And I'm gonna try to give you like a tiny taste of the arc of that story uh, by reading like some little different clips from different parts in it. And it's gonna be really hard to try to give you a sense of, of that in seven minutes and I don't totally know if it's gonna work, but you'll tell me afterwards. Uh, but so where it picks up is actually, or where it starts is actually before I even met Paul. Um, I had, like I said, moved out here and I was like living alone with my two year old, you know, and I was lonely. And so when his preschool announced that there was gonna be a camping trip, uh, a communal camping trip, I signed up for it and it was, really great. It was like my first time ever camping, but it was also hard and, and that's where we pick up. So I'm just going to read a, some little, little clips, little moments um, from my own script uh, since we're not doing any actual audio. But there were also moments when the other families stayed in their own little units and I wished it wasn't just me alone trying to get the fire going with one hand while wrangling my preschooler with the other. It was lonely sometimes when all the little families had gone off to look for sea anemones or were napping together in their sturdy family-sized tents that said, we're in this for the long haul. Next to them alone with my toddler and my cheap Coleman, I felt like an outsider, a stranger still to this California culture, having lived only in Europe and New York City up to that point. I kept moving west and now here I was alone at the edge of the world, it seemed to me, and sometimes I cried on my half-deflated air mattress as my flimsy little tent flapped in the wind through the night. Okay, so that's like where you meet me, right? And then skipping ahead, 
Uh, like I went through three years of preschool like that, where I was always the single lady, the single mom. And then I met Paul. And when the last camping trip with the preschool was coming up, uh, you know, we'd been dating for about 10 months and I really wanted him to come on the trip. And like, I wanted to show him off, you know, that I was like not single anymore. And I wanted to, you know, not be alone for once, but he had like other things going on that weekend. And so he was kind of hemming and hawing about going and we got locked in this dynamic that we used to get locked in a lot uh, before we knew how to be like honest and direct with each other, where we like were avoiding it, addressing it head on. So Meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, the trip was approaching and I knew that I'd either have to let go of my dream of him coming or find the courage to ask him again, both of which seemed impossible. It had been hard enough asking the first time and now that I knew about his reluctance, I just couldn't bring myself to say, so the camping trip, have you thought about it? Are you coming? Instead, I poked at it a couple of times, a couple of times like, I'm still hoping you may join us, but you don't have to decide right now, I'd quickly add, careful to avoid a straight up question for fear of getting a straight up no. Okay, so skipping ahead again, by the time I leave for camping, I still don't know if he'll actually be joining us the next day. Coming back to camp in the afternoon, I'd let myself believe that I might see Paul's car coming around the bend, but instead a text message came through from him saying that he was back in LA and I was crushed. I walked up the hill to get away from everybody and called him and we got in the first big fight of our relationship, which was abruptly cut off when my phone ran out of juice. Later that night at the campfire, I drank too much and kept people up in the nearby tents talking too loudly too late about why Bernie would be a better candidate than Hillary. The fight lasted several days after I got back and even after we made up, I was still nursing the wound. A few weeks later, Paul tried to make it up to me by stopping by my son's preschool graduation. He sat on those tiny chairs and made small talk with parents of other kids he, um, and made small talk with parents of kids he'd never met. And the camping wound started to scab over, though for a number of years it would occasionally rupture when Paul did something that triggered a similar hurt. And I'd yell at him through tears, it's just like that time you didn't come camping. Okay, so the next uh, year we ended up going camping with our three combined kids and it went really, really well. And based on that, we decided to move in together and start a blended family, um, which turned out to be really hard. <laughs> and like two years into that, we were really struggling and Paul's MO in a situation like that is to just like stick his head in the sand or, or you know, sit back and kind of wait for things to blow over. And mine is the opposite, mine is to like intervene and try to make things better and like try to smash together the molecules of the five of us in the wilderness for five days. I was like, that'll do it, right? So I decided that we should go camping. But then we had an awful trip, like everything went wrong on that trip. It was a horrible campsite. There was no shade. Everything was dusty. Just everything was going wrong. Paul and I were sharing a tiny little uncomfortable mattress. And that's where we pick up this next moment. I felt responsible as I usually do because I booked the trip as I usually have. And the first thing Paul did was, was to point out all the negatives. That's his way of dealing with anxiety. Mine is the opposite. I point out all the positives in an attempt to make things better. And the more negative Paul got, the more insistent I became on the positive and the harder I worked to try to will it into being. Behind the big boulders at the edge of our camp, I found some lovely shady spots where I set up our chairs and our slack line and a hammock why I wound up spending the nights. Like a cheerleader on steroids, I organized games and meals and trips and shade as best I could. And I cleaned coolers and washed dishes and planned hikes and blew up inner tubes and none of it worked. The family bonding wasn't happening and the kid, kid, 
the family bonding wasn't happening and the kids were still ignoring each other most of the time with the occasional fight sprinkled in. The things that had amused them two years ago seemed to bore the crap out of them now, at least to my anxious eye, and their little faces screamed unhappy campers. My heart was broken five different ways and the days felt as if they would never end. The nights also dragged on as I lay sleepless for long stretches in my hammock on the open, on the open mountain behind camp, looking at the stars, listening to the wind and the tall trees and the nocturnal animals doing their thing, scared that one of them might get me or that my sadness might swallow me whole. Um, okay, so we're heading home and I've developed something called Renaud's phenomenon, which means that my fingers were like totally blue and stiff and in searing pain. And it can be brought on apparently by emotional, mental, or physical stress. And I was like three for three. So we, when we got off the mountain, everyone was starving. The kids wanted Wendy's and Paul and I were willing to go to every lowest denominator if the kids agreed. So we said yes, even though my stomach was growling and my fingers were blue and I hate junk food. Of course, the nearest Wendy's turned out to be a ways off the freeway and Paul and I were annoyed to waste the time, but we were like, fuck it, it's worth it. When we finally got there, police tape was blocking the entrance to the restaurant and the cop was directing traffic away from the parking lot. Suddenly one of the kids said, there's a car inside Wendy's. Sure enough, a sedan had crashed through the glass facade and was now sitting in the middle of the restaurant at a slight angle. And I was like, yep, that pretty much sums it up. Okay, so two years later, uh, which was this past summer, we were in a much better place and we decided to go camping one last time, you know, before the kids get got too so big that we'll never do it again. And uh, it mostly actually went really well, but there was a lot of tension between me and Paul that I can't really go into the details of here, but I'll just read this last section. Um, I should have been having a good time, but I wasn't. I was tired and angry, and I felt if Paul said one more negative thing, I was going to explode on him and say ugly things I would later regret as I have too many times in the past. I didn't want to do that this time. I wanted to handle it differently. So one night as we were about to start the fire in preparation for dinner, I asked Paul if he would come look for Kindle with me in the big open area behind the boulders. And then I dragged him up on the nearest ridge and said, we need to talk. The sun was setting behind the mountains as we sat down and I said, I can't handle any more negative comments or naysaying from you on this trip. And he said, what do you mean? Like what? Well, you know, there won't be enough time, there won't be enough space, there won't be enough ice, and so on. And he was like, well, that's because you're a crazy optimist who always thinks there will be enough space and time and ice, even when there won't. And I'm just trying to make sure we don't get caught with our pants down. Fair enough, I said, I do do that. And that's why we're a good pair. And sometimes your pessimism is well warranted. But sometimes you're being negative for no good reason. It's like a bad habit. And I know I have plenty of bad habits that you put up with all the time. And if this were a normal day at home, I could probably just write it off. But when I have a lot of stake emotionally, and I feel responsible because I responsible because I booked the trip, and I'm exhausted because your back went out, and I haven't sat still since we got here, or for two weeks really. Then your negative comments grate on me, and I can't take it anymore. What if we had a code word? He said, like when I say something negative that pops your balloon, you can just say the word, and I know, uh oh, I did it again. Maybe the word could be balloon. He suggested, and I was like, oh my god, I love you. Um, that's it. <laughs> that's not the end of the story at all. There's a lot more drama, but that's just the end of, of what I had time to read, uh, kind of trying to show, you know, 
this like kind of development of, of a couple from that uneasy kind of start to like the moment when you actually learn how to communicate and appreciate your differences and all of that. So there's a lot more to it. And there's like a, a, another episode where we get Paul's, where Paul tell his, tells his side of the story, which is another thing I'm really interested in right now, right? It's like, anyway, the two sides to one story, yeah. That is amazing. And yeah, like I love, even though it's not necessarily like, uh, un unlike Octavio's, which is like scripted and narrative and everything, this one, even though it's not quite like that, it still had like, a, you, you you felt the arc, like you felt the, like the development, which I really appreciated, like you built it. It is very scripted. I just didn't, I, you know, I made a choice to, I just spoke it up so much mm -hmm. because I, I kind of made a choice instead of reading one section to mm -hmm. try to show a little bit the development. So, oh, yeah. but it is actually normally like scripted. Oh, yeah, yeah, scripted. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, no, that, yeah. that sounds amazing. And yeah, so um, I forgot to mention that the two readings today, one was from Life with Leo with Octavia Bray and the other one is Strangers with Leah Tao. And yeah, like uh, that was a wonderful reading. Does anyone have any comments or uh, qu uh, questions? I just thought it was really beautiful. That's all. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed listening to it. Thank you. The moment with the balloon really got me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what it was all building up to. It was a lot of build up for that. And there's more that had, like, there's more real trauma than just like these little, but I just didn't quite have time to, to, to show those uh, here. But what I'm trying to show is like how you actually, can, like, you know, how hard it's been for us to learn with like the traumas that we both brought into the relationship and both having gone through divorce in addition to whatever pre-existing traumas we had and trying to like make a family with three kids, but also how you actually can do all of those things. Like you actually can heal yourself and you can heal your relationship and you can heal your family. And um, if you are willing to do the work and uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I really like seeing like people choose each other, you know, like that's really important to me. Cause I think that sometimes like, and not just in romantic relationships, but overall, it's like, okay, well, <laughs> I don't want to put the work into this. I don't want to, you know, do this because it should be, it should be easy or it should be, you know, it should feel really natural or whatever. And not that I think that love is pain or like love has to be hard, but I do think that like at some point, like you are committing to something and when you commit to something you should choose something so i love that. yeah in romance we call that trope found family mm. right and yeah. it's really powerful and a lot of people really love it and we it's the hallmark of a, like a lot of kinds of tropes where it's like a rock band but also um to caitlin's point earlier many many books where there are, are like queer romance it's all about found family mm -hmm. It's very true. And I do think actually that love is hard. You know, Octavia, when you were saying, you know, I mean, mine certainly had a very, like there were a lot of the negative in this, right? Cause that's part of the setup. Wow. But I also think like part of what was hard when I was single was like, I looked at all the marriages around me and I was like, I would not want to be in any one mm. of those. Like, mm. I think like having an actual, truly intimate, truly trusting, truly connected relationship where you don't have to hide any parts of yourself or, you know, uh, walk around being like a little bit of
annoyed with your partner all the time, I think is really hard and takes a ton of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and like 90% of when I talk to my girlfriends, what they talk about, or used to at least until we kind of figured out that we had to heal ourselves or else we didn't want to really be friends anymore because it was got too boring and hard, was like complaining about their relationships, you know? And, and me too. And, and I feel really blessed not to do that anymore. But yeah, love is hard, I think. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome to hear. And yeah, um, I do want to say uh, before we move on to just like it, the the big like I love having everybody here. But the other thing is that we try to like squish everything down to one hour and that doesn't always work out. So I did like look at all the questions that I have found about two questions that will like cover everything in in a in a satisfying way and i want to make sure everyone gets to talk but first i just want to say hello to everyone who's listening hi iris sagar and a brother of a certain age um everyone thank you so much for coming to this to this live stream and um i hope you all enjoying and if you have any questions feel free to put them down in the comments we will try to get to them um and yeah, uh, hello, Roxy, as well. And thank you so much, everybody. And I do want to say, um, so for the question that I wanted to cover for this next one for everybody, is it's a mishmash of kind of two main questions, which is one of the questions was about being um, being a woman in the romance space and how the genre is kind of tends to be um, associated with women, but also like with your own perspectives of a woman. Um, would you like to like speak on that? And also just as a mix, just to mix it in, um, uh, how how romance is becoming more diverse, more like there's more representation all around. Um, and if you'd like to speak to that, like both from your perspective and what you are seeing as a growing perspective of perhaps other people or or like um, views that are very like um, that were underrepresented previously. Like if you'd like to speak on that, um, uh, please feel free to like jump in. Um, I think Jen, I think you would like to say something because especially because you cover the genre. Um, very uh, um, yeah you know for a really long time there was a thing people would say which we we don't really say anymore which was like you know John uh, romance is like written by women for women um, because for so long that was just like sort of the I don't know like the I mean it was it was true in a lot of ways right like it was sort of um, you know women in publishing houses were the ones publishing it but you know, now we understand that there's like a really broad appeal to lots of different kinds of people. And that by saying that we are essentially excluding people that are non-binary, that are trans, that are men who are interested in like the romance space. And so um, I think there's been a lot of change in the way, like, you know, the genre thinks about itself. And in order to be really welcoming, you know, we, we have to sort of be willing to like open the doors and, and sort of not say that anymore. Um, but at the same time, because of that um, sort of core belief, right? Like this is for women, it's mommy porn, essentially. Um, a lot of the like disdain that comes along with the genre, um, I think it goes hand in hand with misogyny and the patriarchy. And so this is something that, you know, we on the podcast are just always trying to unpack, right? And it's not to say that all romances are are like, you know, feminist anthems for our time. (laughs) But I do think that all romance is really dealing with the way that our culture undervalues emotion and undervalues love in all its forms. I want to say like, I think 
<clears throat> that way, the way that we talk about like romance being the, in the realm of women, it, like you're saying, Jen, is just it's it's a it's a perfect example of misogyny and patriarchy because like men write about love all the time. Like there's all of the best love movies are directed and written by men. Like the unbearable lightness of being is a classic. But like, you know, when women write about love, it's like fluffy mom porn, you know, like right. it, it's like what gets what gets relegated, what gets held up as a classic and what gets kind of relegated to the like the the realm of the low brow, you know, and I and I also like it just uh, it just makes me so angry, <laughs> you know, like men are obsessed with love just as much as we are, you know, like and um, yeah, like I just it's like a weird thing. That's it. That's all I have. I'm just like, yeah, okay. So like, yeah, when men do it, it's like, ooh, has literary merit. Right. And when women do it, it's like, oh, like they're just obsessed right. with us. Like, ew. And, <laughs> right. yeah. you know, yeah, like, and, and also I think like just to kind of build on what you were saying, Jen, like I think how can you tell a story about love without it being also about power? Because love is about gender, you know, like love is about like who you, who you love, how you love, like, um, you know, uh, even straight stories are about, gen like, I mean, you can't tell Absolutely. a romance story without painting a picture of gender dynamics, you know? Mm -hmm. um, anyway, those are just yeah. the, the first I kind of want to, yeah. yeah. I, I just want to build on that, what you mentioned, Caitlin, because, like, one of the things I appreciate most about um, romance as a genre and also just as somebody who is queer and also um, and also you know um, uh, BIPOC which is you know Black Indigenous POC um, is in it's interesting how like dynamics go into it and how with queerness especially you kind of start like not necessarily flipping the dynamics but you kind of start exploring dynamics um, that you haven't explored before and I think like it's super fun uh, but also really interesting to kind of see it this way like so we know we generally know how romance between um, uh, mostly American like uh, man and woman would like go like cis man and uh, cis male and cis female um, protagonists would go and then what would happen if like oh you know you have a gay romance like what is the expectation there's so expectations are a little bit like more a little bit different um, and like all, all these things, and I think like what's really interesting about it is that you still have this structure, like this enjoyable, like comfortable structure to place that in, but now you have different perspectives and that comes into also like representation and everything. Like now this romance is, um, has a different um, background to it that you are learning about within this very comfortable structure that you already know. And I think that goes for a lot of like genre fiction in general. Like, um, you know, a lot of people will, you know, really be mad that diversity is happening for some reason. But in that way, it's really fun to like go to a genre that you know intimately and learn new things. And it's like some people like they for some reason, they're really angry about learning new things. But I think that's what's fun about it. Like you you have ro like romance has like beats. Romance has a structure. You know it. You 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 enjoy it. And then now you have something different that either colors it a little bit or like actually changes in like the way the structure like goes in and out. Right. So that's really well, interesting. And I mean, one of the things about like podcasting or in romance, and I assume horror, like self-publishing, mm -hmm. is like the 
there's so many more voices that like literally in podcasting, right. That we get to hear and that people can like, just like find an audience for their stories that doesn't have to be filtered through sort of like mainstream publishing or, and so, you know, we're at the point now where, um, I mean, I just think it's really interesting because it doesn't have to be that like, if you put a, a queer romance on page, it has to follow the beats of like what would be, as you said, like an American romance between a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. And so like, there's so many more possibilities for the kinds of stories that we have access to. And that to me, and I think many romance readers, it's, it's a very exciting time in romance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think like, yeah, as you said, like you don't follow every single beat, but as you said in the uh, near the beginning, romances have happy endings. And I think like everyone is kind of like who goes into romance is looking for that, like most of the, for the most part. And that's like, what's comforting about it. Like, even if you end up in all different places that you've never been before, yeah. you are kind of relying on the happy ending or at least like a, a satisfying ending. I love so. that, that piece, because I think that you know, as a, for, I'll speak from like the, the race point of view, like as a black person, sometimes I'm engaging with like a piece of media and I'm just like waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? Like I'm like, when is the racism gonna come <laughs> and make this, right. you know, like- Comfortable. A sad thing, uh, you know, like a bad thing or whatever. And you're so right that like with that promise of like, there will be a happily ever after in this thing, then like it becomes such a, safe space for all of these you know like diverse perspectives because it's like not that there's no conflict in the book but you know that these two people are going to be happy together by the end come hell or high water you know like the racists aren't going to get them the homophobes aren't going to get them the jk rowlings aren't going to get them you know like <laughs> go do what they gotta do and that is really like I'm just at this point I'm just like what yeah like that's that's why I go I want to watch a rom-com every day of my life because I'm like I just want to feel good <laughs> by the time this is over I want to eat lunch and know that I'm going to be happy instead of like start something that could leave me like wiping a tear from my eye and then I had to go back and like file an expense report <laughs> you know? um, yeah I just think that's that's part of what makes this a great space for you know romance i mean that diversity and inclusion and stuff that really should just just be and not be something that you know has to keep happening because you can have that safety of happily happy yeah well and back to that original question about like women i mean one of the things i i do say is like one of the reasons i love reading romance is that if i'm reading a book where a woman is a main character and i i do read a lot of like straight romance um is that woman's life is going to be fully formed mm -hmm. her like cares and concerns and values are going to be important to everyone in the book she's going to like be able to get what she wants and that's unusual to get mm -hmm. <laughs> it's very a lot of literary fiction and a lot of like mainstream like television or movies and so you know i mean i will admit that like i read i like reading about women and romance is a place i can get that every single time if I'm reading a book where a woman is in it. 
right? Mm -hmm. So the thing is how to do it honestly, I think, right? Because there is that expectation of a happy ending. So how do you make a genuine happy ending instead of like the happy ending that sort of tells us that life is something that it's not or that romance is something that it's not. And that that's something I find really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like you're not, it's not absent of conflict, but it is like, but it is the understanding that you will not come out of this feeling bereaved. Um, so, and uh, same same thing, I think like, so I, I am very proud to say even like openly that I read a lot of fan fiction and like, you know, fan fiction is basically like, yeah, it's basically just the romance genre, but like with existing IP characters that is free online. But it's one of the reasons that I love it so much is because like I can watch or, or read uh, characters fall in love every single day. And especially in fan fiction, but also now like in the romance genre in general, um, it's the, the place where queerness does not necessarily, does not necessitate sadness unlike unlike let's say like oscar winning films where all the mm -hmm. queer people die or whatever um this one it's just like very um fun sweet um enjoyable queer romance that we'd all have a happy ending and it's just you don't have to be on guard the whole time like similar to what octavia said about um about like the racism aspect and this one like yeah the homophobia the transphobia mm -hmm. it is not necessarily absent, but it is like the assurance that things will be okay. And I think especially now in this time that we live in, the assurance that things will be okay is a wonderful thing to have. And yeah, like it's 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 a wonderful genre to explore that in. And it's not like it's that much different from a superhero uh, genre. Like things oh, will be say okay. say that all the time, yeah. Yeah, like superheroes, uh, they will beat the bad guy, they'll prevail, et cetera, et cetera. And same thing with action, the action genre. These are all like, there is a reason romance has um, stayed for so long. Um, and even like for like erotic, like the erotic side of romance has like prevailed for so long is because it's part of the human condition. Mm -hmm. And like getting a little bit, you know, like, uh, even if it's like whether it's something really deep and enduring or whether it's something really light and you know cute and like it doesn't have to be perfect but it can but it will still make you happy and i think that's like such a important thing <laughs> but yeah i'm kind of just getting into it um yeah and um i think well we're we're almost almost to the end of the hour, but I do want to like give everybody a chance to at this point, um, if there's anything else you want to talk about or ask, ask each other, um, please feel free to right now. It's a free safe space and yeah, please do. Um, I was just, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm feeling your point, Leah, about the honesty piece. Like, how, what does it mean? Like, cause I, that's something that I've, I mean, when I made the shadows, which I called an anti-rom-com, internally like i was kind of really struggling with the the ways I, I guess i was kind of pissed off about um what what media had set me up to expect from love you know and i was like trying to figure out like how how do you tell how do you how do you make something that scratches that same image because i'm also feeling what you were saying octavia about like it's like I just want to laugh and be happy. I, <laughs> I want like a weird, uh, you know, setup where, you know, we all know what's going to happen in the end. I feel safe, you know, like, um, like how do you have both of those things? Um, 
I don't know. I guess Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind comes to comes to mind somehow. <laughs> like they did such a good. It's like somehow it feels a bit, a bit like it was kind of depressing, but you know that's like, my kind of rom com. I think yeah, totally. Like it's just kind of, like kind of depressing, but like also really honest. I don't know. Um, so like I actually yeah. Well, I would say one of the, we had a guest on uh, a woman named Jane Ann Krenz who's been writing romance for probably forty years. And she said something really interesting about genre fiction. And what she said is that um, genre carries the myth, right? Like if you're looking for like what the myth is in your culture, read genre fiction. And so if you care about justice, right? You read mysteries where every single time the cops solve the case when we know in real life that like that doesn't happen, right? Like when you think about like what is the myth that's getting carried forward by romance, it's that the idea that love is important and worth pursuing. Right. I think there is truth in that. I don't think it has to be sad. I don't think it has to be, you know, I think there's like a lot of messaging in our culture that says like, you know, it's not real. If there's a happily ever after, that's a fairy tale. But I think if you look at it at the level of myth, what it says is love is important to people and pretty much everyone, you know, will do anything they can to get it. And this is a genre that celebrates that. Mm, that's so true. And yet, yeah, like the myth is uh, kind of a dream for the people right? Like the myth is something yeah. you dream about. And if we didn't dream about justice, then it wouldn't happen. If we didn't dream about love, it wouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. Like, and to your point, Leah, like, even though you're looking for honesty at the same time, um, the honest truth is that working towards love, working towards a good relationship can only happen if you believe that, you know, the love is there. So it's it's a nice, like, little balance. For sure. Like, yeah. But you also, like, have this realistic, um, like, it is hard. And sometimes ju justice doesn't happen or, you know, like, but if we didn't dream or work towards justice, it wouldn't happen at all. So, like, that's kind of, like, the prevailing myth of romance and love. And that's what I love about this genre. And before we end, I'm so sorry, Ronnie. I just want to say before the end, I <laughs> no, love... I love your earrings, Tavy. I, I was looking at it for a while and I was like, I thought it was like a little floating icon, but <laughs> it's a little hand. And um, yeah, and I just wanted to say that before the end of this. I appreciate it. <laughs> I can't wait to subscribe to all of your podcasts. Me too. So Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't forget to subscribe to these amazing podcasts. Uh, this has been a great talk. Thank you so much, everybody, for popping on. I know some of you have to pop off. You're totally cool. I'm going to go ahead and just read our brief outro, and then I will let everybody go. So thank you, everyone, for joining us for this live stream, the Storytelling Podcast Week February Roundtable Love Stories Live, hosted by Mossy Doppel of the High Nye Podcast, with our special guests, Octavia Bray of the Life with Leo Podcast, uh, Leah Tao from Strangers, Jen Prokop of Faded Mates, and Caitlin Prest from Mermaid Palace and The Heart. Thank you for uh, one of these days I will get through this without stumbling over my words. <laughs> for those of you who may be joining us for the first time, Storytelling Podcast Week has live stream sessions much like this one from top podcasters and storytellers from scripted fiction and nonfiction podcasters from across the world and our imaginations. We also have exclusive recorded episodes on the Storytelling Podcast Week podcast. Uh, if you joined late or if you want to have another listen to these amazing podcasters and storytellers, you can replay this live stream on Podbean's YouTube channel and on the Storytelling Podcast Week podcast. Storytelling Podcast Week, of course, is brought to you by Podbean. We're a podcast hosting and monetization platform and home to over 600,000 podcasts. So if you want to start your podcasting journey today, head on over to podbean.com. Thank you for joining us and stay tuned for next month's live panel with uh, at Storytelling Pod.
Norma Jean's going to kill me. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. And stay tuned for next month's live panel from Storytelling Podcast Week around the world with the BBC World Service featuring Namulanta Combo of Dear Daughter and Kim Chakonetska of The Comb. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Take care. Have a fantastic <laughs> Tuesday. Thank you. And happy podcasting. Thank you. Much love to everybody. Thank you so Thank much you. for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Mom. Bye.